Well, good morning again. Good morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, I said this last week, you picked a, a great month to join us. Uh, every year we go through uh, three or four weeks in March, we talk about money. It's the only time in the year that we, uh, we discuss it at any length. Uh, so you pick some great weeks uh, to come. I believe that God has called us to be a generous church and a generous people. And I, and I know that when our finances are tight, it's hard to be generous. Uh, so we want to talk about finances in a real way, talk about our money in a real way, uh, to free us up, to allow us to be that church that God's called us to be, to be a generous people. And we, uh, we tackle this, and we're going to be looking at five principles over the next four weeks. And if you apply these principles to your life, uh, you will see a notable change in your finances. Last week, we talked about how the, we are all on a, on a journey in our finances. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are having a hard time making ends meet. We, uh, we, there seems to be more month at the end of the money than money at the end of the month. Uh, it's very difficult. You're struggling along in your finances. Other of us are just surviving. We're living paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck, where you, you're just making it. You're barely scraping by. There are others who are stable. There are those of you who have been able to tuck away a few dollars here and there to be able to save up for those big expenses. Um, the next stage that uh, you want to get to is secure. We want to feel secure. You've been able to maybe pay some, some debt down on your mortgage. You've been able to, to make some extra payments here and there. You've been able to save for your college education for your children and things like that. You're, you're feeling secure in where you are. You, the, the economic turn that we're facing right now really hasn't phased you much. You're doing all right. You haven't felt that yet. Excuse me. And then there are those who have surplus. God has blessed you that you have been able to manage your finances and God has, has allowed you to have a surplus of income. And usually we're trying to move through this process. It's, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a, a trajectory you're looking for, a step that you're going for. You, you don't want to be just struggling I and mean, you don't want to be just surviving. You want to get to stable at the very least and secure. You want to move on, on through those. And that's the idea. I, I said last week that Marla and I started on this struggling, and there have been times where we've stepped back into the struggling, and, uh, and I'm sure that if we, if we took the time and chatted with everybody at, at one point and another, and it may be today, you've been on that struggling stage and that struggling step. And we want to talk about these five pro- biblical principles to help us get through uh, and deal with our finances better. Number one, we talked about last week, we want to spend less than we earn. Difficult, but necessary. It is the foundation of what we, uh, what we need to be doing with our finances. We need to avoid debt, and we need to build in some margin and save. We need to set some long-term goals and give generously. These five principles, write them down if you need to, memorize them, impart them into your life, make them a part of who you are and what you do financially. It uh, doesn't matter whether you make $250,000 or $25,000, applying these principles will give you more money and more uh, ability to use your money well. We're all cultures of our creature. I don't know if you, you fully understand that or get that, that we're influenced by our culture, that, that we start to do trends and, and uh, address a certain way uh, in our culture because of the way that you know, society pushes in on us. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that. I've now got a jean jacket on, thanks to Aaron. Um, <laughs> he's trying to make me cooler. Uh, no, not really. He says I was cool already. I don't, oh. I don't believe him at all. Uh, anyway, but... Uh, through the years, we've, uh, we've, we've made some mistakes, like in the fashion area, right? Like, if, if, who's a child of the 80s? Anybody child of the 80s? Right? Oh, yeah. Right? Those are great. We got another slide. Click, uh, click. Yeah. We're going to go back and forth. Let's go back and forth on these. Um, look at those pants. Right? 
And I, I, I know Blossom in the middle. I know that's the 90s, but it still felt right. Uh, and then you can, yeah, jump to the, the mullets. Right? And I'm going to start wearing my sweater like that again. Um, that's good. But we, we, <laughs> we made some mistakes, right? But, but they didn't look like mistakes at the time. Right? That was the way to do it. The, the big hair, the, the, the acid wash jean jackets, all of it was, was money. That's where it was at. But it's only looking back that we realize how silly some of those things. I know that there are some of you right now in this room who are like, I want to go back. I want to do it. I need it. You do you. It'll be great. We'll all enjoy it too. Uh, but the reality is, is uh, debt without discussion when we enter into debt without discussion, without, without thinking it through, and when we just jump on because culture's there, we won't realize it until afterward that it's been a big mistake. So why do we need to spend less? We talked about this last week. Why do we need to spend less than we earn in a culture that allows us so easily to spend more? As a society, I don't think we fully grasp or understand the, the weight and the magnitude and the cost of debt. And I believe that's because our culture has actually redefined what it means to afford something. Now, when I was growing up and my parents were, were trying to teach me uh, finances and, and understand that, I, uh, being a young, uh, young boy with a paper route, I understood that I had to earn a certain amount before I could spend that certain amount. But in today's society, you don't have to. If you earn a certain amount, you can make the minimum payment on another amount. And that is now what is defined as affordable that we can afford the credit card payments or the loan payments. We are a debt-driven society. If you don't believe me, look at our government's bank book. It's going to cost us, and it's going to cost our children. You can't go anywhere without being offered a new credit card uh, to help you save 10% uh, or to gain reward points or, or anything like that, and that's how they get you. They, they get you excited about what you're going to save, and you have no idea what it's going to cost you. Our culture tells us that you need it, and that's okay. If you need it and want it, you can have it, not later, but now. My daughter uh, is three years old. She is um, a spitfire, to say the least. She, has, uh, she is a bundle of personality and, and passion. And uh, she, we had a Valentine's Day just a little while ago, and she came home with a pile of candy. Uh, and and there was one morning, she uh, didn't sleep very well, she was in a particularly cranky mood, a little extra tired, and uh, she wanted candy to help her feel better, apparently. Uh, so she was interested in it, and she said it was hers, and she wanted it, and I, and I told her that she couldn't have it, and she just looked at me, uh, not in a forceful way, but she said, Daddy, I need it. I need it. And we can all understand, and we can see greed in a child when they need something, we know what that looks like. But today, some of us are like children with our finances. And we can't see the greed because we've turned it into a need. And when we say we need it, it's so much more easily justified, right? Well, I need, I need that new car. I need to have the latest phone. I need, I need new shoes because I need to have these pants. I need to have this four-wheeler or this snowmobile. Like, there are, there are things we need that we don't actually need. And greed is hard to identify because of where we live. We live in a world that, uh, that has, uh, we talked about it last week, about Instagram and Facebook and all of it. It's right in our face that, that we can see what everybody else has and we want it. 
but we need to face it. I, maybe you're sitting here today and go, you know what? Greed is not a problem for me. I'm going to ask you to stop lying to yourself uh, because greed is. Greed is in us. We, we're, all, we're all capable of greed. I'm capable of greed. Anybody else capable of greed? Okay, look at your neighbor. If their hand isn't up, help them. We are. We're all capable of greed. It's, it's a part of our nature. It's a part of what's in us. We need to own up to that. You see, God has a lot to say about money, and the Bible talks more about money than it does faith and prayer combined. And it has nothing to do with how much God cares about money. He doesn't care that much about it, but we do. And that's why we spend a month every year chatting through this. The way that you feel about money, the way that you manage it, the way that you address it and, and, and spend it, the way you feel about money is a direct expression of your faith because God is the provider of our finances. Let's take a look. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 12 as we study through this. We're going to be looking at 13 through 15, uh, the verses in Luke chapter 12. This story opens up, or this chapter opens up with, with Jesus uh, speaking to thousands of people, and he's warning them. He's like, be on guard. You live in a world that uh, that there are a lot of dangers and fears and, and, and there's material things and, and you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You need to be on guard because you're focusing on those things and, and yet you have an eternal soul and there is an eternal tension that we live in and you need to be focusing on those, excuse me, on those, excuse me, those things. And he's reminding us that we live for something larger than our material wealth, what we can amass in this world. And in the midst of this sermon, a guy interrupts him. Jesus would handle it much better than I would. He he interrupts him, and he says this in Luke 12, verses 13 and 15. It says, someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. So in the middle of, of Jesus speaking about these material things, he thinks, wow, do you know who would be really good to hear this? My brother. We've, you guys have never done that, right? You've never been in a sermon and go... Man, are they here today? Yeah, they are. Good. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. He's like, so, sermon on material wealth. Guy says, my brother needs to hear about this. He needs to split it with me. Does anybody else see the, the occasion here that's happening? He's, he's, he doesn't recognize the greed in himself. And it's one of the hardest things to see. It's much easier to see greed in other people than it is ourselves. Because our greed masquerades itself as need at times. He thinks his brother needs to hear this, and Jesus replies in this way. He says, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said this, beware, guard against all kind, every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. If you hear nothing else today, listen to the words of Jesus in this, in this moment. Life is not measured by how much you own. Another translation puts it this way. Life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And yet we live in a culture where it is. We live in a world that that states uh, your status is, is dependent on how much you have, what you wear, what you look like, where you go on vacation, all of it. Your life does not consist of greed, but we're all at risk of it. I believe we have a clouded understanding of debt. We, uh, we either 
think it is horrible and we can't touch it, we ought to run from it, and if you're there, good for you, uh, or we think that, you know, debt's debt. Uh, I had friends who were like, I'm always going to have debt, so why bother paying anything off? And I, <laughs> I just, I can't believe that that's, but, but that's a reality that we live in. There are, there are those in society who figure, I'm always going to have debt, so I might as well continue to, to let it climb and let it be. As long as I can make the minimum payments, I can afford it. But the Bible does tell us that the debt is not a sin. It doesn't say that it is a sin. It discourages us getting into it, but it does not prohibit it. But I believe that debt is never the real problem. Greed is. Self-indulgence. A low self-worth. A low self-esteem. Impatience. Fear. You see, we're trying to fill the void in our lives with material things that aren't meant to be filled with material things. We need to go back to the, the scripture we're where Jesus was telling us to be on guard, to focus on the, on the things of eternal value, not the things of earthly worth. You see, debt actually has the reverse impact that most of us think that it does. We're all trying to climb that ladder, right? We're all trying to get uh, to away from, you know, struggling into survival mode, into into stable. We, we want to grow, and, and the world tells us that we can do that through debt, through our credit cards, through borrowing. And the reality is it actually has a, a backwards effect on us. For example, let's say you have either a $5,000 car loan or maybe $5,000 on your, on your credit card. You are paying, uh, you are paying interest on, on that loan. You, you may have money and uh, the money and the, and the ability to buy the stuff you want, but you are now paying interest on that loan from an income you could not actually, within an income that you could not actually afford the, the purchase you just made. So therefore, something has to change. And it most likely will be your standard of living later on. You're borrowing now, and you're mortgaging your tomorrow. You, you, you have the stuff, but in reality, the stuff actually has you. And you can't borrow your way to the next step. It's, it's not possible in this financial journey. You will go backwards instead of forwards. By spending what you have, what you don't have today, you are essentially mortgaging your future, and it will cost you even more than if you had waited. And the world is lying to you. The world is telling you the wrong thing, and we have to conquer the lies. In order to conquer the lies, we need to protect ourselves and our finances, and we need to realize what debt is. Debt is impulsive. Debt is the result of impatience, and it will wipe out all of your savings. So how do we avoid the use of debt? First thing we need to do uh, is we need to protect from impulse. So if, if debt is impulsive, we need to protect from that. We live in a world that is driven by if I see it and I want it, I can have it now. And you need to take back control. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impart some wisdom on you that you have probably never even heard. So listen up. This is going to be really boring too, so listen closely. You need a budget. Amazing, right? Just, you need a budget. That's awful to think. You need to know what you make and what you spend, and they can't contradict each other. 
you can't spend more than you earn. You need to budget it. It's boring. Uh, I hate doing it, but it is a necessary part of our lives. You would never run a business without a budget because you'd go under so quickly. We ought not to run our finances and our households without a budget. We can't allow our lives to be just this wonderful spending buffet that's, that's out there. That's, we can just take whatever we want. We can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it doesn't matter how much debt we have. We have to make decisions. We have to make pre-decided decisions. That's what a budget is. A budget is just a bunch of decisions that you make in advance so you don't make the wrong decision. You need to make the decisions before all the options come in front of you and you can't handle yourself. It's like dieting or exercise. You can't, uh, you can't just go eat what you want. It's not going to work. It's going to be counterproductive. You can't go uh, to the buffet and have six or seven plates um, as you go through. It's going to cost you something. Uh, comedian uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, really nails buffets in about a minute here. Give a listen. What, what is it about the buffet? It does fascinate me. There's something about it that breaks down the mind, reason, judgment, portion, sizes, combinations. Nobody would go into a restaurant and say to the waiter, I want a yogurt parfait, spare ribs, a waffle, four cookies, and an egg white omelet. People build these death row, last meal, wish lists. They, these, it's like a working model of all their emotional issues and personal needs. And then, then they can't decide when they're done, so they just start spinning like a robot vacuum with kale chips, maple bacon. They bump into the wall, muffin, 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 muffin. They start accosting strangers. Excuse me, where did you get that? What is that? I didn't see that. That's a caramelized chicken leg. I got to try that. Give me yours. You know where they are. You can get more. Come on! Oh, he's too funny. But did you, did you catch the line in there? The breakdown of buffets? It, it breaks down your mind, your reason, and your judgment. And that's what happens with our money. Some of us have no limits, and we treat our finances and this world like a spending buffet. And our debt, if we continue to do that, will balloon to the point where we are bankrupt. And you will enslave yourself financially. Proverbs 22, 7 says this, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. I don't want to be a servant to anyone but Christ. I don't want to owe anyone but Christ. And that's a debt I could never pay. So what spending impulses are conquering you? Only you know your finances better than, than anybody else, and, and maybe you don't. But what spending impulses are conquering you? What is taking you into debt that actually can be avoided? A budget will help you avoid the debt. Try it like this. Maybe... Um, Maybe you don't know where to start, so maybe this is a, a, good, a good example. Uh, try the 10-10-80 rule. 10-10-80 rule. You give 10 to God, you put 10 away in savings, and you have 80% left for you to live on, your lifestyle. That's where your, your mortgage comes out of. That's where your clothing and your, uh, all of your fun stuff and all the bills, they all come out of the 80, but you, you set aside 10% for God because that's his. He, he owns it all. And then you set aside 10 
to save so that you can afford those things that you want or the, the, to grow your, your income, to, to be able to better your way of life. And let me, let me tell you, if, if, if this doesn't work for you, if you can't stay within your 80, if you can't spend less than you earn, you will consume your savings. You will pour into and, and take from God and you will go beyond and you'll go farther than that. You will, you will spend 110, 120, 130% of your income and years down the road, you will regret the decision you made just like that bad hairstyle in the 80s and probably a little bit more. So we need to protect from impulse. We can't just do it, but we also can't have everything, everything we want right away. We need to protect from our own impatience. There's not a lot of teaching um, for this part. You just need to be patient. I've, I've got my, my kids. We're, we're trying very hard to, to help them understand finances and the, and the idea of patience. They, uh, they want to get new video games for their, their Nintendo Switch or, or whatever, and we're saying, you know, just save the money you earn and we'll, and we'll grow that. I've got one who does really well at that. Another one, it's like water in his hands. Uh, he just can't hold on to the, to the money. It just slips through his fingers. We're trying to teach them a thing called delayed gratification. You've all seen the experiment where they'll, they'll, they'll bring a child into a room and they'll sit a marshmallow in front of them. And they'll say, we'll give you, you can have this one marshmallow now, or if you wait 10 minutes and I come back, you'll have two. Are you able to control your impatience? Are you able to, to experience the delayed gratification? Delayed gratification is the way to protect against that. It's the process of not spending now so that you can have it later. And if you apply the five principles we're talking about, if you spend less than you earn, if you avoid debt, build in some margin, set some long-term goals, and give generously, you will have an easier way to do that, and you will be able to wait. So the last, uh, last thing is to build savings. We need to protect our savings. We need to learn how to save. Now, being rich is not a bad thing. Uh, but getting rich quick just doesn't normally happen. It is either through, uh, you're either born into rich or, uh, or, you, uh, or you, you luck into it. It doesn't happen quickly. Our world has this view of get rich quick. Uh, there are books on it. There are, there are seminars on it. And all that's happening is that person's getting rich quick. Let me say this to you. A little bit of savings over a long period of time and you'll be all right. A little bit of savings over a long period of time, and you'll be all right. For example, if you put away $50 a week, so most, most of us work 40 and change uh, in, our, in our years of, of, uh, of, of employment. So if you put away $50 a week for 40 years, and you only have that at 2.5% interest, that's a pretty low uh, percentile, you can earn higher and faster. If you're able to do that, if you're able to put away a little bit, for a long time, you'll end up with, I'm waiting on my slide, 176000 approximately. It's actually a little higher than that by the end of 40 years at $50 a week. And maybe you can't manage $50 a week. Maybe you can do more. You're only going to see that scale uh, go up or down, but just a little bit over a long period of time, and you'll be all right. This is contrary to our society. Why on earth would you save a little bit for later, when you can have everything now. That's the society we, we live in. They say you deserve it, you need it, and you can have it for the low, low payment of for the rest of your life. Let me say this in uh, wrapping up here. You need to draw lines in your life. You need to make decisions. You can't, 
I can't just preach on these five principles and all of a sudden your finances are going to be better. You need to apply them to your life. You need to draw lines in the sand to say, I will not spend more than this much of my income. I will rein in my spending. I will pull it all back. Because if you don't, someone else will come along and draw the line for you. It will get bad enough that they will take your house. They will take... No one wants to be there. And no one ever expects to be there. But if you don't draw lines where you can survive and where you can succeed, someone else will draw the lines for you. It isn't easy, but it isn't impossible. You need to start getting rid of some of that consumer debt you're carrying, some of that, some of that credit card debt that's weighing down on you. Pay off the smallest bill first and, and continue to grow and, and put more and more down. It is not a get-rich-quick. It's a get-rich-slow. Put a little away over a long t- period of time, and you'll be all right. In our culture, it takes no effort, absolutely no effort to go into debt. It takes years of hard work and dedication to get out of it. That's why a lot of us don't do it. That's why a lot of us walk on and go, I'm always going to have debt. I'm always going to have some hanging over me. There's no way I'll ever be free from it, so I might as well just keep going. It's easier that way. It might be easier, but it's not better. It's not better for you. You need to spend less than you earn. You need to avoid debt, and you need to, change, you need to save in order to change your financial status. And if you embrace these principles, you will see a change. You will see movement in that. And it takes accountability. You can't do it on your own. Marla and I were horrible with money before we met each other. I'm not sure what God did to us, but it's been wonderful in that respect to be able to take our finances. And we've still made mistakes. We've still made bad choices. But the bad choices aren't as painful when you've made a lot of good choices along the way. I want to encourage you to come back next week as we continue to talk about our finances so that we can be freed up, so that you can get one more stress off of your life. Let me leave you with this. Jesus teaches on generosity and money throughout the scriptures, not to get money out of your pockets. If you're hearing me as a preacher say, give to the church, do the, listen to what God has to say about money. He's not talking about uh, generosity and teaching on generosity to get money out of your pockets. He's teaching on it, and we're teaching on it to get idols out of our hearts. The idols of greed and self, and they need to be removed. They need to be taken away so that we can be freed up. And in a generous, obedient heart, in one that follows foolishly after Christ, those can't exist.